0: 2016. I hope and pray we have a better one in 16 than we did in 15. Amen. So I'm just looking forward. Wouldn't it be a great year if the Lord would just rapture the church? How many would be happy with that? Amen. Oh my goodness, that would be glorious. And that just might be the case. The Lord might just take us home in the year 2016. That would be awesome. It's just uh, tremendous. I hope you have a wonderful new year. Turn to your neighbor and say, Happy New Year. Can you do that? I hope it goes quick. Amen. And it does. I I realize the older I get, the quicker I I just can't. I look at the clock and it's racing. It's like, wow, the older you get, the faster time flies. So uh, it's really amazing. Well, we want you to pray for Pastor Glenn, and uh, his dad went home to be with the Lord this past week, and Pastor Glenn preached the service for his father yesterday. His dad was 87 years old. Uh, They lived in Westminster, Maryland, and uh, Pastor Glenn, Sherry, and we're praying for you guys because I know God gave you great grace, and uh, he just shared with me how we saw many people saved in the service yesterday and uh, did a beautiful job, and our prayers are with you and uh, sympathy for your loss of your family. So we're just praying that God will just be with you uh, uh, through this upcoming week. Uh, Pastor Al Dickerson from uh, Maranatha passed away this past weekend. Uh, he died, and uh, I think the funeral services, which that's the brother-in-law of Bob Greenway and Debbie Greenway, and uh, go to our church here. And that services will be, I think, Tuesday of viewing, and then on Wednesday uh, for the services. We have baptismal services coming up for this coming Sunday. Baptism is a very vital for your Christian faith. Baptism is, is, uh, is a profession of our faith in Christ. I remember when I first got saved, uh, uh, I was baptized as a young kid. I don't think I really fully understood baptism when I first got baptized. I think I got wet as a child. But it wasn't later till I got saved and then... Uh, it was about four years. In fact, I was in Bible college and and uh, just finished seminary and getting ready to be ordained. And the Holy Spirit just said, I can't let you take this next step in your Christian faith till you get baptized. I'm like, but Lord, I was baptized as a child, but God says not after salvation. And the Holy Spirit just said, no, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he says, I want you to take that next step in baptism. And, uh, And and I tell you what, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Dr. Lee Robertson, who's the chancellor and the president of of Temple University, uh, he baptized me. And it was my last week uh, being in college. It was uh, just days before I graduated uh, seminary. That's when I just said, you know what, I'm not going to battle this. But let me tell you something, the significance of baptism after I followed the Lord in baptism, in fact, I wrote it in my Bible. In fact, I was given this Bible uh, from my sister on my graduation uh, from a seminary. I put in there on the front page, was baptized in 1976, and I praised the Lord that from that baptism, uh, God just put a new anointing, a new blessing, and he let me go up the steps. And uh, I will tell you this, baptism is very important to your faith, If you want to go on up, sometimes if you stop and you don't follow through on those steps of obedience, God will hold you right there at that level. And uh, if you're here and and you're thinking about that baptism and, uh, and you're contemplating baptism, let 2016 be the year of going all the way up the steps and move up where God wants you to be in your life, and God will bless you tremendously. So, we're having a baptismal service next Sunday. If you'd like to be baptized, you can see Pastor Glenn, you can see myself out there in the lobby. Pastor Glenn really is really good about organizing all the baptismal candidates, helps them, talks to them about what we need to do for baptism, how the, the procedures for baptism, and, and he's great about that and has always been uh, wonderful in that area. So you can see him right after the service. Pastor Glenn, would you stand up? I oh, want everyone to see that beautiful, charming face, that loving face. Turn around let everyone see that face. There it is. That's Pastor Glenn. So, uh, Amen. So, if you could see him right after certain, he's going to kill me tomorrow morning. Why did you make me stay? But uh, I just wanted you to see him. So, some of you that are new and you're trying to put uh, names to faces, um, that would be a huge help. So, we appreciate that. So, uh, if you're interested in taking a step in getting involved in Bible study, we have many small groups. Pastor Keith Henry has done a beautiful job laying out a great menu of Bible studies for all. In fact, you can go into the lobby and you see a vast uh, area of, of all the small groups. And this is a year to plug in. This, listen, if the rapture comes in mid-2016 or the end of 2016 or whenever, don't you want to go being plugged into the local body of Christ? And just this is a year of really getting serious about spiritual things. So this is a good time to say, you know, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to step out here, and I'm going to get involved in small groups. I encourage you to go out after church this morning. Take, Take a few minutes. we got a great menu of classes that are all different times all different times of the week uh, to really accommodate the busy schedule of everyone. In fact, I have a small prayer group that starts tomorrow night, and uh, we meet at Baker's Restaurant, and uh, we always have a group of people that come, and we just talk about prayer, and we, it, God just does so many great things uh, in answering our prayers, and that'll be uh, tomorrow night, uh, and, uh, but we have also our Bible study. If you're interested in really getting into the Bible, you really want to know the Bible, in fact, the Bible teaches that, that without knowing the word, your faith can't grow. Uh, so we have a Bible study at 11 o'clock on Wednesday mornings right here in the, uh, in the lobby. And then I meet again uh, 6.30 on Wednesday night for the same Bible study. And uh, we're doing a study on the book of Acts And we're going to do a review catch-up, and then we're going to start into chapter 8. So you can't miss a thing. So you can join in and get into this Bible study and grow your faith. Grow your faith. Get involved. Don't sit in the peanut gallery. Jump in. Let this be the year of really activating your faith for Jesus Christ. And I know God will bless you for it. So, and then we have many other classes. We've got married couples uh, class. Pastor Keith teaches that on, on, on Sunday afternoons. And uh, we've got classes, tremendous uh, menu of classes uh, that are lined up for everybody in the church. And we'd appreciate plugging in the, into those classes. I was thinking about a verse. As I was thinking about 2016 and thinking about our church at Crossroads, a, a wonderful body of believers. I love Crossroads. I love our people. I love the spirit of the, of the Lord that, that works in our church. And I was thinking about something that would really benefit all of us. And I thought about three, three big lessons that we could really wrap our arms around in the new year of 2016. And I thought about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 down to 17. Two verses. And the Bible says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, see that you walk carefully. Someone once said that to walk circumspectly means to walk on a picket fence with bulldogs on each side, (laughs) carefully. He says basically, see then that you walk or live your life carefully and don't be foolish not as fools, not as someone who's, who's reckless and careless about their life. But the Bible says, walk circumspectly in wisdom, but as wise. And then he says, redeeming the time. Watch your time because the days are evil. In other words, the days are hard. Wherefore, be ye uh, not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There are three lessons I want to share with you this morning for 2016, for all of us, for me, for you to help us get through this year and to really find God's blessing in our life. Father, we thank you for the joy of being in your house this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the spirit of God that moves in our hearts. And, Father, give us, Lord, some lessons, Lord, that we could bring some meaning and significance to our lives, even in the latter days of our life. Father, I pray, help us to grow in grace. Father, help us to understand something about the lessons of life, Lord, that will reflect eternal reward for us in heaven. Now, Father, we'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I've noticed that every year, especially at the end of the year, almost every major news magazine or, or online news, uh, online websites, they put out issues with special pictorial sections recalling the year prior before and all the events that made news on the previous year they talk about the highlights of things that happened in fact the other day i sat by and i I didn't know that i missed that i missed that and sometimes I will go through and they'll show the lives of people that passed away in the, in the, in the year before or the, the present year that we're finishing up on. And I'm like, I didn't know that person died. I, I didn't know Robert Schuller passed away from Crystal Cathedral. He died this year. And uh, uh, I just went through and I was like, I didn't know so many of these people have passed on. And I'm like, wow, it's just really amazing how time changes for everyone. And as you look back in the reflection of the year, we read also about articles by experts. They predict what they expect to be happening in the years ahead. And some even go so far to make predictions covering the next 10, 20 years of what life is going to be like in the future. And in the past, a few of these predictions have been proven to be amazingly accurate. I mean, really dead on. And uh, while others couldn't have been more wrong, in fact, back in 1967, some of you might remember this, they predicted that the turn of the century technology would become, uh, would take over completely, that the average American would only work like 22 hours a week and only 27 weeks a year, and our biggest problem would be finding out what are we going to do with all of our leisure time, and uh, I don't know about you, but they sure missed that mark. So, uh, in fact, I find that in 2015, and approaching 2016, most of us are very, very busy people. And all those who are busy, raise your hand and say, oh, me. We're very busy. We're always in a hurry. And uh, we always walk fast. You ever notice that? Uh, We always talk fast. Unfortunately, we eat fast. And after we eat, all too often we stand up and say, excuse me, but I've got to run. And here we are at the first Sunday of the new year of 2016. Here we are. And I wonder to myself, how are we going to do this year of 2016? How will we do? Will we be as busy? Will we make better use of our time? In 359 days when the year is over, will we be looking back with joys and regrets, thinking, you know what, I could have done things differently? Will we be looking into the future with anticipation or with dread? And I like what the scripture says. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, carefully. Watch out for your life. In other words, don't be foolish with your life. Don't be rash with your life. But be wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, I think in this passage... The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he says there are three big lessons you've you got to wrap your arms around. Number one, our time on this earth is limited. There's a, a life insurance uh, a company that has a commercial, and I think it's very good. And it shows this lady, and she's parking her car, and she's putting my, uh, money in this little machine that times her parking uh, time. And uh, she puts her couple quarters in and she turns the knob and it basically says you have an hour and 20 minutes before you have to move your car. And she talks about, it's really profound. She says, my life is like that. It's on a ticking clock. And all of us are limited with our time. And sometimes in our life, we think we're going to live forever. I, I just thought about the funerals I've done this past uh week, two weeks. I mean, good night. I've been thinking about this past year, the young people that died, 30s, 40s, children. Uh, people, sometimes we think about death as only as somebody that reaches 70 and 80 and 90. But I got news for you. We go at all ages. In fact, the average death age that I've witnessed has been close in the mid-40s. So life is brief. Life is very limited. And this is what King David said about life. He says in Psalms 39 verse 4, he says, Lord, make me to know mine end. Now, I know that's morbid for some people, but David said, help me to understand how really short my life is. And then he says, help me to measure my days in what it is that I may know how frail I am. And then again, he says uh, in Psalms 90 verse 10, he says, the days of our years are three score and 10. In other words, 60 years and 10 more, basically an average life of a span of a man is 70 years. And if you're really strong and you're blessed, you might make it four score, which is 80, the age of 80. But he says, but as soon after that, strength is cut away and we fly away. How brief our life is. Now, I realize that for some younger people that are here today, I mean, you're just totally disconnected to this subject because you're thinking anybody that's 60, 70, or 80 is uh, ancient and old and like, you're never going to reach that. I remember when I turned 40, I was like, oh my goodness. But this year I'll be 61. I'm like, oh Lord, I'm coming up to that 70 year mark. It's amazing. In fact, I can remember when I thought anyone over 40 was ancient, but no longer, everything is relative. Now I'm looking, 80 really is really not that old, you know? 80 is not old at all. The psalmist tells us to number our days so we develop a heart of, of wisdom to realize I need to spend my time wisely. A few years ago, People Magazine's published an article called Dead Ahead. I thought it was interesting, and it tells about this new clock that keeps track of how much actual time that you've got left to live, and it calculates, you got to type in your, your health and your weight and whether you smoke, whether you drink, you got to put all this information in about your physical body and, and yours, and then it, and then at the end, it spits out on a predicted possible time that your end's going to come, and then every morning you wake up, it tells you, okay, today you have so many days, you got so many hours, Nah, that will keep you motivated, and uh, it sold for ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents. For actually, you can go in there and buy it. In fact, now they got websites you can go in, put all this information. They can tell you when they predict possibly the day you're going to expire and leave this world. It's morbid, isn't it? I didn't buy one, but it is an intriguing idea. I don't think I want to wake up to be told how much much longer I have to make it. In fact, that's what the psalmist told us to do. He says to number our days. In fact, the Bible tells us not to count on tomorrow because tomorrow may not come for you or for me. All we have is right now. So our time on earth is valuable because it is so limited. If some of us knew how short yet our time yet would be, if we actually knew God would reveal to us the time that we have left. I think it would change the whole perspective of our life. God said, wisdom. Wisdom is realizing. Draw your line of birth, your line of death. Realize where you are on that line. And realize, you know what? It's very wise for me to use my time for eternity. Because, folks, you're going to spend more time over there than you are here. And now, number two, the second big lesson. And that is make the most of every opportunity. Secondly, Paul tells us that we must make the most out of every opportunity. And he gives a reason. He says because the days are evil or the days are troublesome. Jesus said that Satan is a robber and a thief. And one thing he tries to rob us from is our time because time is a very precious possession. And let me tell you something. The devil is slick. You might be saved and a child for God. But let me tell you something. The devil can fill your life with a lot of busyness and keep you side railed or distracted from giving your life for God. If he can keep you preoccupied with something with no eternal value, that hey, he's won a touchdown. He has done well if he can keep you sidetracked. Just think of time wasted in sinning or living a life of sin. Think about the time wasted worrying about the consequences of the sins that we've committed in our life. Satan is a thief and he's a robber. But it's not just sin that makes demands on our time. Sometimes even good things can take up the demand of our time. In fact, Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were his three good friends on earth. They they were the kind of friends you can go to their home, kick your shoes off and just feel at home and they had the gift of hospitality. Jesus knew he could go to their home at any time and feel very welcomed and always have a good bed to sleep in, have a good meal. He, they were the kind of friends that you just, they were like brothers and sisters, they were family. And one day, Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and and Lazarus, and and Jesus got into the living room, and so he started to teach about eternal things. He started started to talk about the kingdom of God and and spiritual values, and and Martha decided she was going to cook a a roast beef dinner and and have leek stew and have all these wonderful things for Jesus to eat because he was tired on the ministry, and she's in there cooking and has all these things going on in the kitchen and trying to really make... Jesus loved and and, and just meet his needs. And Mary, the other sister, she said, forget the kitchen, forget the biscuits, forget the roast beef. She went and sat down at the feet of Jesus and left Martha with the whole kitchen thing. And and Mary said, I'm going to take the best of his opportunity. I'm just going to sit at the... I'm going to learn something about God. I want to learn more about God. I want to sit at his feet. I want to sit at the feet of the creator. Uh, God is in my living room, and I'm not going to sit in the kitchen. I'm going to sit at the feet of the one who knows everything. And here she's in there, and Martha really gets ticked off, and she says to Jesus, hey, why don't you rebuke Mary and tell her to get off her tail and get in here and help me in the kitchen because I'm doing something very significant. And surprisingly, Jesus snaps back at Martha and says, wait a minute, I'm not going to take that away from her because in all reality, I appreciate the good meal. But the most important thing is, is that she recognizes that I'm the creator of the world and she has chosen to do the most important thing and that is to learn from me. I will not take that away from her. And so it is in our life. We get preoccupied with things that are are good and have significance and meaning in some areas. But when it comes to eternal values, when it comes to strengthening your faith in God, to strengthening your life, expanding your faith, your, your, your eternal life for God, sometimes we fail to nurture those things that are critically important. That's the same mistake that we make every day of our life. We get caught up in a lot of good things and necessary things. But here's the problem. Martha was so preoccupied with what she was doing, she didn't realize that God was in her living room and she had a chance to learn from him. And that's the same mistake that we make. Richard Swenson, a medical doctor, wrote a book in which he discusses one of the major maladies or one of the major problems of our of our generation in our century. And he says it's anxiety and it's stress and he calls it overload. He says that people are just plain overloaded with, with, with menial commitments and jobs and things that we need to do. And, and we get overloaded with possessions and we get overloaded in the area of work and responsibilities. And, and there's an information overload and we're just, we're just bombarded. But sadness, say he says that the spiritual priorities falls way at the bottom and I could go on and on but you get the picture there are so many demands on our time so many good things that need to be done but there are just 8,760 hours in this year and we've already used the measure of them we do want to make the most of every opportunity so what are we to do And that brings me to my big third lesson, and that is we've got to understand what the will of the Lord is. More than anything, I'm I'm 61 this year, and I got thinking about what is the main thing that God wants me to do, and am I doing it? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will? Why did he create you? What is the purpose and the plan that God has? And I'm not talking about what you want to do. I'm talking about what he wants you to do. Paul said wisdom is understanding what the will of God is for you and doing it. What do you think God's will is for you in this new year, 2016, 2015, 14, all those years are gone. And there's no sense looking back in the past, but we got to look forward and say in this year, what does God want me to do? What do you think God's will is for you for this year? Now, let me make a couple suggestions for you to consider. First of all, establish your priorities. What really is important? And I think the eternal things that, have, that are weighty, that, that really have significance, that will follow you into eternity. The, the, the eternal aspect has got to come to the number one place in your life. And I'm assuming since you're in church this morning that you got up and you begin to think, you know what? I need God in my life. How many need the Lord in your life? Would you raise your hand? I'm too. i I'm right with you. I need God in my life. I need God in my marriage. I need God in my, uh, as far as being a father and a grandfather, I need God in my life. As a pastor of a church, I need, I need God so much in my life. I need him. I cannot take one step without him. I need him. When you begin to establish priorities, you have to decide just where God or Jesus Christ stands in your life. You've got to ask yourself, who is the most important person in my life? And I'm hoping your answer will be my relationship with God. And that is through Jesus Christ. It's most important to me. Then then, then put that at the top of your list of priorities and say, this is going to affect my decisions. This is going to affect my scheduling. This is going to uh, uh, affect my relationships with other people. This is going to affect my whole outlook on life. Jesus Christ is going to be number one. Therefore, everything is going to flow down from him. Everything is going to take a secondary place. On Sunday morning, it is the Lord's day. It is going to be his day. I'm not going to take that day and go boating or run with friends. That is the Lord's day. You know, everything else has to fall in place. I mean, that is God. I mean, in the morning when you wake up, it's not about the the clamor of the loud that reaches for your attention. It is that quiet time that you spend with Jesus and, and you get alone with him. And just even if you're not great at praying, you just get into his presence and say, here I am, Lord. I need help. I've got this problem going on here, and I got this going on here, and I need wisdom here, and I need you to... God, you just, you just pour your heart out to him and, and spend time alone with him and talk to him about your grief. Talk to him about your loneliness. Talk to him about your, the hardships. Talk about the things that are stressing you out. Talk to him. Just have a catharsis. Just spend time with him. He loves it when you come to him because you're demonstrating that, that he is the number one priority of your life. There's something wonderful about opening the scriptures. And reading the Bible, and there are a lot of places in the Bible I still don't understand. I've devoted my life to the study of the Word. There are some areas that are, that are too deep deep for me, and I, I can't fully wrap my arms around, but I keep reading it. But as time goes, I learn a little here. I learn a little there. Increment by increment, I begin to put this big jigsaw puzzle, on, and I begin to see this big picture of who Jesus is. But it only takes a faithful life of consistency, of pursuing a God who loves us. 2016, if the Lord calls us home to be with Him in the latter part of 2016, what a great way to lead this world. Going with a life that is built around Christ being the priority of your life. Establish Him. We need to pray more. We need to study the Word more. That's why we have small groups. That's why Pastor Keith has gone to the trouble to to sit down and work with all of our small groups, and he's worked this out beautifully. And out there in the lobby, he has painstakingly went and he's put cards in every one of those plastic pockets. So we want to accommodate where you are in your life because this is important. This is a mission of our church. Discipleship is is one knowing Christ as Savior, but following Jesus Christ, and and we have all these groups. And this is your chance. 2016 is your chance to plug in, to grow spiritually, to get connected to other people in the body of Christ. That's what God's will is. God's will is for you to connect to him and to connect to those in the body of Christ and to become significant in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray more faithfully every day. Some of us need, does this make a commitment this morning? You know, Lord, before I turn the TV on, before I talk to anybody, I just want to get into your presence. I saw that movie War Room this past year. Man, I love it. I got this as a Christmas gift, the War Room. Somebody bought me the DVD. And uh, I'm going to watch it again and again. But that picture of, of the war room is basically that life, we are in a spiritual warfare. We, we are in a battle. And the only way that you're going to pursue and, and to, to make, take the next steps in your Christian life is to pray through issues that really want to devastate us and destroy us. So we got to establish our priorities. And then we got to learn how to live today. Two of the greatest enemies of time are regrets for the things we did in the past and the anxiety about what's going to happen to us in the future. But there's something about getting in the presence of the Lord on a daily basis. He maps out for you. You you present yourself to him, and he takes you step by step in your life. Many of us are either living in the past or we're living in the future, worried about what we did in the past or stressing out about what's going to happen in the future, and we're missing out on the precious life that we have today. In fact, many of us are engaged in this little game of oh, I wish it were like it used to be or I wish it it was tomorrow, I wish it was next week or I wish it was next month. Someone said life is what happens to you while you're making plans to do something else. True, isn't it? Life is brief. Another year has come and it's gone. A new year stretches before us. Help us, Lord, to redeem the time. And during this new year, it is my prayer that you have enough happiness to keep you sweet. That you have enough trials to keep you strong. That you have enough sorrow to keep you human. Enough hope to keep you happy. Enough failure to keep you humble. Enough success to keep you eager. Enough friends to give you comfort in life enough wealth to meet your needs, enough enthusiasm to make you look forward to tomorrow, and enough determination to make each day better and better than the day before and to keep you humble enough to seek the Lord on a daily basis and allow him to become your life, your strength, your sustenance, your success. Because without God, as a believer or a non-believer, without God... We can't go forward. Lord, please help us to use the 8,760 hours of this year, the wisest way we can for you and for your glory. Because when it's all said and done, soon you're going to stand before your creator and you're going to give an account of the time that God gave you. Use your time wisely. As your clock is ticking, realize that your end is coming. David said, wisdom is knowing my end. How much, ti- how, much ti- how much time do you have before you stand before your creator? Use it wisely so when you stand before him, you can hear those blessed words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul wrote in Romans, and that knowing the time, Knowing that short brevity of time, now it is high time to awake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we ever believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I want you to go out here and think about one thing. I want you to think about eternity. If your end is in 2016, are you happy with what you've done for Christ? Have you given your best to the most important priority in your life, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's pray.